0: You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Amazing. Guys, thank you for coming this morning. So good to have you here. Those of you watching online, uh, we're in the room every week. Every week, I know you get into a rhythm of every other week and people get used to it and then they go like, well, are we on tonight, today, or are we not? We're on every week and we're glad that you're here with us. If this is your first time with us and you came during the music portion, uh, my name is J.D. Miller, my awesome wife uh, and I have the pleasure of leading this church and we've been going at it for nearly seven years now. Um, if you count the pandemic, we count the pandemic, maybe you should count for two, right? Golly, can you believe it's like two months till Christmas? Yeah, two months to Christmas. Who's excited? <laughs> two people. Yay. I count myself in that. All right. If you have your Bibles or your app, you can follow uh, this message on the app. Uh, it, it, it should be there. You should see the end repair series. If you don't, just do one of those scroll things to update your app, and it'll populate under the live tab. And what we have there is a fill-in-the-blank where you can follow the scriptures. You can, you can uh, uh, f- uh, follow along and also uh, get some, some key quotes there for you to uh, complete as well. Um, we decided to do this series. It's a brand-new series called In Repair uh, because... In the past 18 months, it seems as though a lot more stress has been put on relationships. Wouldn't you agree with that? A lot more tension uh, is in our contexts and everywhere. And I believe it's time for healing. It's time for restoration. It's time for growth. And it starts with the core of our relationships. So... Uh, it's safe to say that this has happened since March 2020. And so the next few Sundays, we're going to address some individual parts of relationship. We're going to talk to married people. We're going to talk to single people. We're going to talk to about friendships. We're going to talk about being complete in your own self. We're going to talk about communication, conflict resolution. We're going to go uh, roundabout and, and talk about all that. But today, I want to start at the beginning. And the title of this message is It starts with me. Can you say that? It starts with me. It starts with me. See, every success you've had in life, every failure you've had in life, it involved a relationship. It involved someone else. From the most basic skills you've acquired, like eating, right? Like talking, like using silverware, to the most... Complex skills you have acquired, like, I don't know, flossing. It's pretty complex, right? Uh, Every time I go to the dentist, it seems like I'm not doing it right. I don't know if you feel that way. Um, It took somebody else. If you're great at sports, it took somebody to encourage you in that direction. Somebody who taught you, a coach, a friend. Somebody you might have observed from afar. Somebody you admired. And if you're like me at sports, it took somebody to try their best and then look at you and say, it's not for you, buddy. It's just not going to happen. You got to move on to something else. That's important too. The experience you have acquired in what you're good at may have been because of a teacher, because somebody mentored you, somebody at least pointed you in a certain direction, someone invested in you, maybe at your first job or That internship you took. That's because it is a fact of human existence that we belong, we develop, and we grow in community. And this togetherness, this sharing in life, is essential. It's essential at, 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 at a personal level. And a personal level first. Because it's from that personal level that it spills over to your other areas, your other contexts, for a family to be harmonious, for a family to get along, for a family to work together, you need to be okay. You have to be healthy. And for neighborhoods to work together, families need to be healthy. You catch where I'm going with this? For a city to work together, neighborhoods need to to, to be healthy. For a state to work together, cities need to be healthy. If you go all the way back to the most fundamental aspect of relationships, how we relate to others, it comes back to the individual. Everything that happens at a larger scale is a reflection of what's happening in a smaller scale. And if you bring it all the way down to the last factor, you you realize this. Individuals make a difference. Individuals make a difference. This is what Jesus Said when he was once asked the following question Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 34 Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37 You shall love your neighbor, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second one, like it, is You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now this is, in my opinion, one of the greatest statements that Jesus has ever made because it framed the two most important guiding values for the individual, for you and me. And it should be confronting to all of us That the most important commandment, the two most important commandments that Jesus quotes in the whole life of scriptures are commandments that invoke personal responsibility. You see, it doesn't depend on anybody else to love God and to love people. Jesus is reaffirming that every relationship you have with God and with people begins with you. It starts with you. You shall love God and you shall love people. And if you believe in God, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a God believer, the first one is not that hard, right? The first one is easy. The first commandment is why you pray. The first commandment is why you come to church. The first commandment is why you're here today. The first commandment is why you listen to to good music. Uh, Worship music is why you you, you, you live a certain way. You live by certain standards because you want to love God. You choose in your humble way, in your own way, to do your best to please God. But in citing these two commandments as one, Jesus is saying, even though they're not the same, one depends on the other. They work together. They only work if they're together. See, one completes the other. One complements the other. Like pen and paper. Like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Huh? Like peanut butter and? You know it. You know, the, the, the best snack ever made? Peanut butter and jelly? People like that. Well, that's a meal, bro. Now, although we, we're, we're mostly okay with the first one, right? Most of us are okay with the first one. We're okay with loving God. We, we tend to be okay with loving God. On the other hand, we tend to have a problem with the second one, right? The second one is not as easy. And this is why I think Because when we read the Bible, we listen to a sermon, we come to church, we watch a video, we try to focus on what's good. We do that because we love God and we want the attributes of God. But people are not quite the same thing. It's easy to love God because God is good, God is all powerful, God is merciful. God is gracious. God is love. People are sketchy, right? People people get on our nerves. People cut you off in in traffic. People are a little, yeah, it's not as easy. People are a little annoying, selfish, right? Not you guys. You're great. You're at church today. Not you guys. None of you. None of you watching as well. People out there. You know, people. <laughs> and this is, seems to be more and more prevalent since March 2020. Here's some stats for you. And these are mostly political stats. But since March 2020, 15 of Amer- 15% of Americans have terminated a friendship over political differences. Only, 50 t- only 53% of Republicans have a Democrat friend. And only 32% of Democrats have a Republican friend. And that's mostly because of the Trump phenomenon recently. And this is just politics. If you go down to the family realms, how many, how many relationships have suffered? We don't have data on that, right? Because it's too granular. But if you, if you look at how many, how many marriages didn't survive the pandemic, how many relations, they're just not prepared for the togetherness that, isol- that, that, that uh, lock- the lockdown forced on us. And it put a stress in all, all of these relationships. So how do we move forward when, when, when the good, the bad, and the ugly have been maximized like it has? How do we move forward? How do we walk in healing? How do we see a better tomorrow without destroying what we have built and invested in for so long? In many of these relationships. And this is where we start. We have when we're talking about relationships, we have to start by looking in the mirror first. We have to start with ourselves. Say, it starts with me. It starts with yeah, it starts with me. Here's something that's true about relationships. Every relationship you have starts with you, it begins with you. And when Jesus talks about loving your neighbor as yourself, he's talking about loving anyone who's not you. Could be your dad, could be your mom, could be your spouse, could be a cousin, a brother. They are all your neighbor. Not just a stranger that you don't know and you have no commitment. It's easy to love. But the people that you get, that that you interact with every single day. This is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. You are not responsible for people. Learn this from our pastor. You're not responsible for people, but you are responsible to people. It's a big difference. See, that means you're not responsible for their actions. You're not responsible for their sin. You're not responsible for the way they act. They were not responsible for their shortcomings. But you are responsible to them, to act truthfully, to act with integrity, to have character, to show good character, to love them, to encourage them, to be present, to be a light. See, every relationship you have takes you to maintain, not just the other person. It takes you. And that's why loving your neighbor as yourself is very important. A very important value and principle to live by. And this may sound self-centered at first glance. You can look at that statement and think, it seems a bit selfish that I need to think about others as I think about myself. Because that, that kind of means like I need to put myself at the center of every relationship. That's not, Jesus, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not turning our attention to ourselves to promote selfishness or self-centeredness. He's calling us to be aware, to be aware of, us, of ourselves because we bring to the world a measure of what we carry. Everything that we carry, we bring along with us and we share with the world. Look at what Jesus said to religious leaders who were leading people astray because of selfish teachings. That's what he said. Matthew chapter 12 Verses 33 and through 35. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers. Jesus was kind. You brood of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of the good treasure... Brings forth good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. So here's a question for us. What kind of tree, to keep with the analogy that Jesus brought here, are we making? Right? Because the tree will determine the fruit. The tree will determine the fruit right? The tree will determine our words. The tree will determine our actions. The tree will determine our attitudes. What's inside spills over through our words, our actions, and our attitudes. Every relationship, remember, begins with you. So if we're going to to succeed in any relationship, we need a good measure of this, self-awareness. We need good self-awareness. One of the greatest benefits... Of living connected to somebody. Married people know this very well. Is that it's not just laughs. It's not just companionship. And I'm just glancing at my wife. (laughs) But it's the instant feedback you get. When something goes off. That's a benefit. We don't like it. But that's a benefit. Every good and healthy relationship needs a good and healthy measure of feedback. You need good feedback because that's how you can gauge and have self awareness. How many of you have tried to have had a, a friend or a significant other call you out on, on something dumb you said or did? Nobody here that's ever done it. Yeah, of course. You need that. We need that. We all need that to some degree. Some of us have a standing appointment and we pay a lot of money to get that. And we have a fancy word for it, we call it therapy. I don't know why I did air quotes, because it's a real thing. (laughs) You pay a lot of money, right? And it's good, therapy is good, do it. But what's a big part of therapy? It's feedback. It's you trying to find out what's going on, it's it's building that self awareness so that you can, you, can reveal your flaws and you can move on, you can grow. And that's a very important function of a healthy relationship. I'm always asking my wife. She's right here. She can say it if I'm wrong. I'm always asking her, babe, how am I doing? How am I doing? Trying to be a little northeast now. How am I doing, honey? That that was not me. Is it our speakers or the school system? All right, Is it us? It's feedback, right? <laughs> oh Thank you. I'm always asking her, how am I doing? Because we need to build self awareness. It's not an insecurity. Oh, how am I doing? Oh say, say I'm doing great I, I need some compliments. It's not that. It's feedback, so you can build self-awareness. She's the closest person to me. She sees me like nobody sees me. So if something is going to go off, she's going to be the first one to see. She's going to be the first person to say, hey, something's up. And it has happened in the past. She's like, I feel like you're not as joyful. What's going on? I feel like your mind is somewhere else. What's going on? I feel like you're not present. What's going on? And that feedback is so important. We need that. But this is what happens when we are not self-aware. What happens is that we we get so down on ourselves that we don't love ourselves, but we begin to loathe ourselves. And this can happen without us, us even realizing. We will reject the feedback that's given because we don't see the flaw or we think we're helpless to that flaw. It's either like, no, I'm not that. You're crazy. What are you thinking? No, I never did that. You should look at yourself. You should look at yourself. <laughs> and then the fight begins. <laughs> Where are you pointing at me? I'm pointing at you. Right? Or on the other end, in inside, you know, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Don't touch there. Don't go there. Because there's nothing I can do to change that. That's just who I am. It's just who I am. You're gonna have to take me like this. And so, deep inside, what's happening is. Either a lack of self-awareness or there's, there, there's, there's a part of us that we, we really don't love ourselves. There's self-loathing involved. And many people live in this cycle. They never allow the deficiencies and shortcomings to be confronted and fixed because they either blinded to it, they think it's not real, they blame everybody else, or they think they're too damaged. They're too broken beyond repair. And that's when pride comes in as a mechanism of self-defense. That's when we raise ourselves above others to try to quiet them. That's when self-loathing comes in. Here's what often happens. To cope with it, we embrace the good ideal. We all know what's the ideal, right? We all know what's, what's the good thing that we all should do. So we embrace the ideal here. But we despise ourselves because we can never meet the ideal. And this is how it plays out. We say lying is bad. That's when people say lying is bad. And they rebuke the liar. And they point at the TV and they say that guy is a liar. But then they themselves can't help but lie. That's when people say it's important to be reliable. Reliability is of utmost importance. And they'll complain about unreliability, but they themselves can't keep a commitment. They're unreliable. That's when people say, I can't stand gossip. And they'll condemn gossip. But they'll be in a conversation texting other people, disparaging the person they're with. That's when they say, trust and respect is very important to me. I value at It's the most important thing I value. And then the man trusts and respects from others around him. But then they themselves are not trustworthy or respectful. And you can can fill in the blanks there with other characteristics that, that we embrace as the good ideal, but we can't maintain, even though we require that of our own relationships, maybe because we desire that for ourselves. And what comes with that is a lack of self-worth. And sometimes we even put on pride. And you might say, J.D., but I thought pride was when people thought they are highly, they think too highly of themselves. Yeah, that might be what, what's on the surface. But pride is really a mask. It's something that we use to prop ourselves up or to hide. And, and behind that is, is, is the thought that we're never going to get out of this. Like, I'm never going to get better. I'm never going to be able to rise above this. This is why Jesus' Jesus's example or Jesus' commandment is so, so important. Many relationships are in disarray because of this. And you might have experienced something like this in your own life where confrontation happens. Either you confront somebody and they take it the wrong way, or, or you've been confronted and you didn't understand why they were, you're being confronted. And it turns into a fight. And, and the solution doesn't... It goes nowhere because nobody is equipped or healthy enough to understand what's actually going on. Now, you might be wondering, why, why do we have a picture of a pot with some lines on it as the, as the image for this series? And this is, as we were developing this series, I was talking to our designer, and he was like, man, there's this thing that's happening now. They're unearthing ancient bowls that were broken. And these are just like utility bowls from home, right? But because they're so ancient, they're very valuable. And what they're doing is they're repairing it with gold. And these these items are becoming... A treasure. So they went from just something that people used, a utility, something that was necessary, to being broken because of overuse, to being discovered and being repaired to the point that they are a treasure now. And I believe that God's desire for every single one of us is to transform us in the same way that these bulls, it's a representation of every one of us. In every one of our relationships. Because what happens sometimes is our relationships start because they're of great utility, right? You find somebody you love and you want to live the rest uh, of your life with them. Or you have a friend that you love. Or you were born in a family and, and there's utility in that. Like you have a dad and a mom and maybe it's not perfect, but, but you need them, right? That you, need, you need a nucleus. You need a family life. And, and you have a friend it's may not be, but it, it's useful. And marriage can certainly go from a very romantic thing at the beginning to, all right, we're, we're basically partners running a home right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to split our, our, our tasks here and we're going we're to just run this enterprise. <laughs> and we're going we're to make the most of it. And then the kids come along and, you know, they're board members and <laughs> they don't have as much a stake in the votes of what goes on but they have some as they grow older right and and you can lose that that initial romantic uh, love and affection and it can become just something that is useful it's better than being alone therefore we're going to keep going but then words are said things are done There's lack of self-awareness. There's pride. We're we're broken people. We all have our story, and we're trying to make it. And we can find ourselves completely broken. And all of a sudden, all you have is a memory of what once was, but the bowl is not functioning anymore because it's too broken. And I believe what God wants to do, He wants to repair us, restore us, not just so we're back to the utility thing, But so we understand that that which He put together, that which He called you to, is not just something of great utility, but it is a treasure. And that's what God wants to do with your life, to transform you so that every relationship you're you're involved in becomes a treasure, something of value, something of utmost importance. We can't help other people. Unless we ourselves understand how to love others in the way that Jesus commanded us. It might be your husband, your, your wife, your sister, your coworker, your friend. It's important for us to understand what Jesus is calling us to do. And when Jesus used the word love here in this passage, he was saying agape love, which means the love of God for us. Jesus is saying, as we have understood and received the love of God for us, so we ought to love others. Loving others, loving your neighbor as yourself, means loving them with the love that God has for us. And the first thing you need for a healthy relationship is to embrace God's love for you. You need to do that first. Loving yourself doesn't mean overimposing yourself. Doesn't mean putting yourself first. Because you... You can't always do that in a healthy relationship. Or making yourself the most important person and put yourself in the center of the universe. It's about seeing your potential. It's about seeing the ideal self that God has put in you. It's about seeing the person that you were supposed to be and it's supposed to become according to the way God sees you. And to see God's love for you. All you need to do is look at Jesus. That's why He came. One of the most important passages in Scripture and well-known is in John 3, 16 and verse 17. It says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that but in order that the world might be saved through him so you you ask yourself how much does God love me JD how much does God love me he loves me so much that he sent his son so that I would not perish so that you would not perish that we would receive eternal life that we could live with him in harmony with him and live from the tree of life receive from the tree of life didn't Jesus didn't come to point at my flaws to look at my flaws he came to save me from them to save me from sin what would happen to our marriages to our relationships with our children? What would happen to our homes, if we, to our, our, our places of work, if we interacted with people in this manner, with this kind of love? If we looked at people and, and applied Jesus' love for us to those relationships? If you decided, I'm not going to condemn them for their shortcomings. I'm going to love them into a higher standard because i believe that they are worth it. I believe they can overcome it. I believe they can get better. I believe that there's more to them than that flaw. I'm going to be that person that brings this relationship bring to this relationship what Jesus brought to my heart. I'm going to bring to this relationship what Jesus brought to me. So what? That they have flaws. So what that they might have. So what that they are Jets fans. This is how I love my neighbor as myself. I do for for others what Jesus did for me. That's what I do. Jesus found me in my imperfection, and he forgave me, and he restored me, and he called me higher. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love people. I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to restore people, and I'm going to do that in love to the best of my, my capacity. I'm going to call people higher. Not because I condemn them or have contempt for them, but because I believe that they can rise above their faults. Maybe we have not completely given up in loving our neighbors, but maybe we've given up in loving our neighbors as God has loved us. Maybe that's what needs to be fixed so that we can see a difference in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our state, and so on. See, it's easy to love with no commitment. There's, there's, there's a certain level of distance that gets hard, right? If, if you have no interaction with the person at all, it's easy to love them. You see them once a year, twice a year. Yeah, I love you. Over there. And then you get a little closer into that annoying realm. It's a little harder to love people. But if you, if you get even closer... And you look behind the veil, behind the curtain. If you see their insecurities, their deficiencies, what, what, what makes them who they are, how much they've suffered, the pain that they've carried, what they've had to endure, the kind, the kind of childhood they've had, the kind of abuse they've suffered, the kind of things they have to fight through, the things they had to witness. If you begin to, to open your heart to see that with compassion, my God, yet yeah, you're going to love them with the love of God. Yes, your heart is going to be moved to reach out and say, hey, man, I'm your friend. Hey, you're going to get better. And that person could be a friend, could be your spouse, could be your mom, your dad. And sometimes it takes, it takes the sweetness of children benefiting from what the parent was able to bring To be able to look up and see, I can't believe you're able to endure what you were able to endure. So that I could get here. And I'm so grateful. And that becomes the healing that they need to be able to move forward. We can all blame others. We can all say, I don't agree with you. We can all say, how could you vote like that? We can all say that. We can all say things like, you know, why do you do that? Why do you listen to (laughs) Nickelback? Look at this photograph. (laughs) I'm sorry. I digress. You might be right about that one. (laughs) See, sometimes relationships have to end. Sometimes they do. Sometimes lines are crossed in a way that new boundaries have to be made. And you move on in love. Sometimes it just has to happen. It's just not healthy to keep the toxic thing going. Sometimes that's true. But I'm not talking about those times. I'm I'm talking about the times when you know there's a way forward. That friendship is worth the fight. That marriage is worth the fight. That relationship is worth the fight. You know there's a way forward. But you can't get past the fight. You can't get past the brokenness. So you fight and you fight and you fight and and it's so exhausting because all you see is brokenness. You don't see a way to fix the problem. See, restoration starts with us. We take the first step. We do what we can. In prayer, in a relationship with God, we receive the love of the Father. We receive the love of God. So that we can love others with God's love. Because only God's love can restore us. Only God's love. There's no other way. Only God's love can restore us. And the fact is that the solution is not that complicated. It's really not complicated. It's just that people don't like talking about it. And I find it a little bit comical nowadays. And I find it comical in a sad way. It's a little bit sad, but I find it comical that we are so committed as a society, we're so committed to being secular and being godless, that we're we're willing to live in mediocrity instead of finding the answers in God. We don't want to say God. We don't want to say Jesus. Some of us are even embarrassed to say that we depend on God for things. We don't want to do that. We want to find our own language, our own way. So we we go all around the words of Jesus and try to come up with our own theories, our own things to solve the problems in the world. All we do is make more problems. The pile of problems just gross. When all we have to do is look at Jesus and say, Hey, love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Love God above all, with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. If we all did that, my God. It would be so good. And you will see the disagreements, the strife, the the the, the, fall-offs, the simple problems and the complex ones just dissipate as you begin to seek and influence the world with the right answer. See, the answer is not hard. But it seems like people everywhere struggle because we don't want to use the words Jesus or God or, you know. And the truth is that all the issues that we have that are bigger than all of us in the world, if we don't bring God into the picture, we're out of our depth. We're just out of our depth. We 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 don't have the solution for them. We don't have the solution for racism apart from God. We don't have the solution for partisanship apart from God. We don't have the solution for Any kind of division or problem we have apart from God, we need the love of God so that we can embrace each other and see each other in love. There comes a point when we need to find something that has been proven, that's authoritative, that has worked, that that brings the answers to the problems that we're facing. And that's the brilliance of Jesus. Jesus. That's the brilliance of what Jesus calls us to do because what he calls us to commit is not just to a phrase. He calls us to commit to a relationship. We can even borrow language from scriptures, we can even borrow language and values from uh, Christianity. But without conviction and without a relationship with God, it loses its power because we need repentance, we need restoration, we need God himself so my challenge to you today is will you receive the love of the father in your life will you receive the love of god because god wants to restore you he wants to restore you so that you can be a blessing and that after he restores you he can restore your marriage after he restores you he can restore that friendship after he restores you, he can restore your relationship with your parents. After he restores you, he can re- restore your relationship with your sister, your brother, your coworker, that person that annoys you all the time. He can restore that. And you can show them the love of the Father. If you do so, I believe God will take you places that you've never dreamed of. And those places that are broken, he will mend. And your relationships will go from something that was needed of great utility to a beautiful treasure that's going to bless the world. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. I want to call the worship team back.